I speak to you this day in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Sacrifice is not a popular world in the 21st century. Our American forefathers and mothers have endowed us to value a life that deeply values sacrifice, didn't they? They modeled for us to sacrifice for one's freedom, for one's family, one's goals, dreams, to place gratification on the back burner, and to give generously to God and country. Sacrifice, which is not very popular, is used in marriage as a way to nurture commitment and longevity of a lifelong union. It's not unheard of to hear of families from the boomers generation and the greatest generation that save up all of their monies and leave all of them once they pass away or most of them to the church or to a local charity to make their community a better place. We here at St. Peter's have benefited from individuals who understood and practiced this principle of making great sacrifices. The sacrifices that I had to make for my Turkish family and the sacrifices they had to make to send me to America didn't and don't often bring short-term satisfaction or comfort. These sacrifices may not have brought much material benefits so far as I have chosen the priesthood. One can go to bed with a clear conscience. A clear conscience is a priceless thing. But what about making a sacrifice for God? A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. That's Paul's main theme from the epistle today. Most of us in 21st century have no point of reference for presenting any sacrifice to God. Sacrifices in the Old Testament by the way of atonement for sin or as a gift of thanksgiving is really removed from our experience. We understand sacrifice as a general concept. Employees are asked to sacrifice raises and benefits when the company falls in hard times. Soldiers are asked to sacrifice their life for their comrades. Paul, however, ties bodily living sacrifice to discerning and living into the will of God. And that's for every Christian. And that's our main point today. When we are living day to day in the world as a Christian, we live by discerning what and how we will act in each 24-hour period. But we are surrounded by items of destruction. Facebook, Twitter, X, um, Instagram, email, TikTok, constant contact, all our kinds of other forms of communication that are there to entice us with this need to stay in touch with others. But these popular things hoard and consume our time. We're actively pursued to buy, to consume, to renew, to find, and promote a better version of ourselves in order to be perceived important and successful. Look at the people 
that make posts every single day with pictures of themselves. Maybe I'm getting on my soapbox for a moment. It is a sense of self-importance. It is a sense of success. And it's a sense of look at me. If you don't make it every day, this sermon is not for you. But at its core, all these, these apps that we have provide a short-term means of entertainment in the belief that if we just discern and act on the urgent, we will eventually see the big picture of where our life is headed in the eternal sense. And maybe someday, not today, because I'm too busy looking in my, in my device today, we will have time to discern and live into God's will. Maybe, and this is most dangerous, God is following and blessing my pithy little goals of making the world a better place by aligning his desires with my selfish, egotistical, ego-stroking manic bubbles. Maybe how we feel is determinative of how God sees the world. This, my friends, is delusional thinking. Then this type of pathological living is idol worship according to the biblical world. In the face of idols that demand devotion and sacrifice, worship of the true God can be no other than giving a one's total self as a living sacrifice. That intention is the true worship that we are asked to offer today. Offering a one's own self without any perceived gain is the only holy and acceptable worship, which is the way we can discern God's will. Spiritual worship is the offering of our body and the whole self, head, heart, and bank book, as a daily sacrifice. True spiritual worship is a sacrifice. Not because sacrifice is good, because it does not offer cheap grace. True worship is a sacrifice, because that's the only way one can truly worship in a world tyrannized by the idols of death. True worship is a living sacrifice, because it demands that believers do not conform to this world. Worship as a living sacrifice, as an expression of a non-conformist community of believers. What we have then is a view of the church as a countercultural community. Unfortunately, in an effort to be acceptable to the world, the church's message in the West, and even in Europe today, has become indistinguishable from the mainstream culture. Experiencing threats to its survival and declining membership, resources, and influence, the church today is suffering from goal displacement and spiritual drought. Paul today is very eager to remind us to not be conformed to this world. He doesn't say condemn the world. There's a difference. To not be conformed to the world, but not condemning the world. And to not be conformed to its values that contradict the will of God, but asks us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Isn't that a beautiful thing? 
And to begin this, we must be mindful and honest in accepting our sinful state. A life without God is a life of darkness, loneliness, and isolation. God's love, mercy, and steadfast promise always reminds us that we are being renewed for his kingdom. And we are being renewed by this thing called the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. If our churches are focused on adapting their message to the culture to the extent that it's indistinguishable from it, our churches are not going to be inspired always by the Holy Spirit. And if they are not inspired by the Holy Spirit, they will eventually expire. And we must pray today the prayer of the early church, Veni Creator Spiritus, come Holy Spirit, inspire the hearts of your people. When the Spirit dwells in the community of believers, a new vitality will be its expression and various charisms will be its gift. Then a new way of thinking, dwelling and relating and acting will weigh in the community that stands in the contrast to the ways of the world, the ways of the global domination system and its expression. Just in eight verses, Paul tells us a weighty and useful truth about what we must do in order to not be conformed to this world by transforming, by the renewing of our mind. Godly sacrifice, radical commitment, mindfulness, transformative grace, intentionality, communal unity, and awareness. When Martin Luther King Jr. led a nonviolent movement to transform the soul and laws of the United States, he grasped something about maintaining this balance while seeking to discern the will of God. His words are illustrative and instructive today. Quote, human progress never rolls in on the wheels of inevitability. It comes through the tireless efforts of men and women willing to be co-workers with God. And without this hard work, time itself becomes an ally of the force of social stagnation. We must use time creatively in the knowledge that the time is always ripe to do right. Indeed, human effort is always divinely albeit mistressly, mistressly inspired and energized because our transformation is a reorientation to a different time. We are transformed to live oriented to God's future by being living sacrifices to God today without any selfish expectation of gain at the altar of his grace. Paul indicated that this may mean we need to do things that will put us outside the norms of behavior for our society. Wrapping our minds around what we do day to day in lives that express his will. We are called each according to our gifts to use our bodies as prophets, ministers, teachers, exhorters, leaders, and in acts of cheerful compassion. Sacrifice involved in all of this comes when we admit to ourselves the reality that the world doesn't revolve around us, 
as individuals. Paul says, it's not about you, and that includes your body. It's easy to see that Paul says not to do. He says, don't get the big head. To apply the words of Paul throughout this passage to each of us in our individual roles in the body of Christ brings us to a sobering reflection on the dysfunctional body that may impede the enactment of God's will in the world today. That means we're dysfunctional, but as we seek and endeavor to discern God's will in our life by not being selfish, egotistical, we devote ourselves to a way that will be set apart from the world. And that's what Paul wants us to do. How do we do this? By being humble, being modest, being in the mode of consciously choosing the lack of excess, by constantly examining ourselves against egotism. We enter true sacrifice by accepting who we are in honesty and whose we are in the economy of God through sacrifice, Christ's sacrifice on the cross. We can't afford today to be narcissistic, egotistical idol worshipers, but rather we have the opportunity to come to the altar presenting our whole self to be his. Christ saves us from ourselves and lifts us in love from our anger acceptance of our condition, humility, and commitment to the renewal of our minds is true worship. And that comes from an utterly sacrificial mindset. These are our marching orders. And they will indeed mark us a countercultural, as a countercultural family of God who are being renewed, strengthened, supported, to love him forevermore. He has made us his. Are we going to make him ours? Amen.